Welcome to this podcast from Harvest Community Church of Huntersville, North Carolina, where our vision is to make disciples who make disciples. I'm your host, Liz Stefanini. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, What are some situations that we find ourselves in in which we need help? What are some situations we find ourselves in in which we need help? Before we open God's word, I invite you to turn to one or two people around you and chat about that. What are some situations that we as human beings find ourselves in that we need help? Go ahead and chat about that for a couple of minutes. Then we'll see what God's word has to say about that. All right, if you'll uh, wrap up those discussions. I'm, I'm going to come down here... Um, and I would love you to just raise your hand and just call out a summary of, of what the situation is that, that you discovered. And, and do it loudly, please, so people can, can hear. Maybe we can kind of start over here on, on this, this side of the room. How about in these couple of sections here? What, any situations anybody needs, needed help in? So it's help in ministry. Uh, that was in the ESL, English as a Second Language Ministry. Uh, because the students normally are in school and they weren't in school yet, so needed extra help. Good. What, what else? What are other situations? So in ministry partners, that would be one for sure. Child rearing. Child rearing. Okay. Uh, anybody agree with that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Child rearing. We need a little help. Okay. How about any, as we move over, it's still there, but here in the middle, yeah? Spiritual needs and physical needs. Things you need help with, a car, a house, but also emotional, spiritual, uh, fulfillment, emptiness, good, all right. How about else, anybody else here in the middle, still, you guys are still good? Some, something hasn't been mentioned? In relationships, sometimes we need help in relationships, yep. Where else, where else do we need help? No interest in God, okay, and Rick, what were you going to say? How many times have you moved in your life, approximately, or do you know exactly? 26, 13 is a married couple, 26 times. <laughs> Definitely a military background. Uh, but, uh, well, I'm glad you found help and found us after you moved here, all right? Any other, how about over in this section, anything that hasn't been mentioned? If your air conditioning goes out, you definitely need help. Health issues, you, you need help when there's health issues. Sometimes you need help when there's a tree blocking the entrance to the church. <laughs> Did anybody see a tree down this morning? When I pulled in, Mike Jolly and Richard and Wesley Jolly were out there, uh, I guess overnight, the tree just fell and uh, all across the entrance. Those guys were already, yeah, we needed help. We all needed help uh, to, to get in. So there, there are many times... We find ourselves needing help, right? It's, you know, we, we want to have this bravado like, oh, yeah, we can do anything. You can be anything you want to be, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the truth is we need help. We need help in so many different ways. And you guys mentioned the some of the things I thought of was maybe a health crisis or a job uncertainty or relationship struggles, maybe in a natural disaster, maybe there's financial pressure, maybe you're making a major decision. There, there are so many times we need help. Well, we're going through the Psalms this summer, 
And today we come to Psalm 21. And let me set this psalm up for you. It is the second uh, psalm in a row of what we call the psalm of ascent. And the God's people in the Old Testament, Israel, as they went to worship, as they ascended up to Jerusalem, to the house of the Lord, they would sing these songs to each other. And Psalm 121 is one of the ones that they sang. They sang it at one of the great festivals of the Lord. And this psalm, even though it is ancient, still impacts us today because it talks about God's help and God's protection. So let's read the word of God, a psalm of ascents. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. Did you notice what words were repeated in that psalm? I'm going to put the entire psalm back on the screen. Now, it'll be a little bit smaller since it's all going to go up there. But that's the entire psalm. I want you to take just a minute, either on your own or even with somebody beside you, to process what words do you see repeatedly. There there are a few that are repeated, but there's there's one set of words that are really repeated a lot. Take, Take a half a minute or so or a minute to look at that and see if you can identify that. All right, don't call them out out loud, but do you have an idea? All right, here's the answer. Watch is over. Watch is over. Now, help appears multiple times, but watch is over five times in eight verses. He who watches over you will not slumber. And then verse four, he who watches over Israel. And then verse five, the Lord watches over you. Verse seven, he will watch over your life. And verse eight, the Lord will watch over your coming and going. There's very little doubt what the theme of this psalm is. This is God's protective care. This is the way that God cares for his own people. And if you belong to God today, if you're a Christian through faith in Jesus Christ, God watches over you. And if you're not yet a part of God's people, I hope today that just hearing about God's protective care will make you realize I need that in my life. I need Jesus in my life as well. Well, let's walk through it and let me ask the question, what is God's protection like? Now, I'm... I'm quite sure that the psalmist didn't sit down and think, okay, now let me, let me come up with an outline here. (laughs) Let me identify four different things about God's protective care. Now we have an outline this morning and there are four things on it, 
But this, that's not the way this was written. The psalmist is just, just overflowing. It's just like, this is the way God protects. And, it, and it's just like, bang, 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 bang. The Lord watches over. He watches over. He watches over. It's just, it's so much about God's protection. And I just, as I studied this and prayed over it and meditated on it, it just hit me that, well, there are some characteristics. And hopefully that we will all today, by, by looking at all of the different ways that God protects us, hopefully it will just drive home the point. The one point that God does protect us. So here we go. I'm going to give you four. What is God's protection like? First of all, God's protection is powerful. We see that in the first couple of verses. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Now, why would he lift his eyes up to the mountains? Uh, There's some possibilities here. Remember, this is poetry. It's figurative language. Uh, in the Old Testament, the mountains were seen as uh, a symbolic of God's presence because they were large and majestic and strong. In fact, the holy city, Jerusalem, was nestled among the mountains. And the idea was if they ascended up to Jerusalem, they were walking up to, to go to these festivals, that, that would have been a natural natural thing. And that it could be that. Many people think it's something like that. But it's also possible that the mountains are a place of anxiety. Because up in the mountains, in the hills, that's where there were robbers and bandits and they hid out. And so as these people were traveling, they were walking from wherever they lived to go to Jerusalem. They would be facing anxiety. They would be facing potential attack. And if they looked up to the mountains, if they, if they thought about all of the things that could harm them, where do you look? So it, it could have been coming from that. And it, it's also true that some people who lived in that day, not Israel, of course, but other uh, Fall, uh, pagan nations, they believed that uh, in the mountains uh, there were other false gods living up there. We're not exactly sure why the psalmist looked up to the mountains, but here's what we do know. We do know that he looked past the mountains. <laughs> he looked past the mountains to God. Verse 2, my help comes from the Lord the maker of heaven and earth. As he looked to those mountains, it's like, I know who made those. <laughs> I, I love to go to the mountains and see God's amazing handiwork. I love to go to the beach and see the ocean and God's amazing handiwork. And this psalmist says, I look up to the mountains and I see God. And I look past the mountains and I see God. My help comes from the Lord. Notice in your English translation there, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. They're different names for God used in the Old Testament. And when it's all capitals with the word Lord, that's God's covenant name, Yahweh. That's the name that God gave to his people, Israel. Or not, he didn't, give it, he didn't name them, but to his people, Israel, he named himself. He said, I am Yahweh. I am a God who makes a covenant with you. 
I am a God who makes promises with you. In fact, his main promise tied in with this was they will be my people and I will be their God. This is the one that the psalmist is looking to. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's why I say that it's powerful. How confident you can be in help depends on how powerful your helper is, right? <laughs> who's, who's our helper? The maker of heaven and earth, the one who could create everything. That's how powerful it is. God's protection is powerful. Second, God's pr- protection is constant. It, it's 24-7. It goes on and on. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. So if you're walking to Jerusalem and you're walking up near the mountains, your footing is important. They, they didn't take buses or trains or cars. They walked. And so as they walked, the danger of their foot slipping was very real, but But this psalmist says, no, wait a minute. God is not going to let your foot slip. I I remember several years ago, um, I have three sons, and and the middle one was about to graduate from college, and he had a a trip out west planned with his, his buddies over spring break, and then it fell apart at the last minute, so he called me. Hey, Dad, do you want to go? And it was it was one of the most amazing trips I've ever been on. Just two of my sons and I went. One went for part of the time, and we we got to go to the Grand Canyon and we got to hike down the Grand Canyon and back up. And then after the the other son left, just uh, Justin and I were we hiked some mountains out there, uh, Bryce and Zion. And you know, I I don't think I was particularly scared when it was happening. Now, as I think about some of the places I walked on, I'm like, wow, what if my foot would have slipped? Because there were switchbacks. There were places that were kind of rocky and stuff that you could, you know, it was a long way down. And and, and um, I think it was in Zion, it was, uh, it, the mountain was like snow covered. And we got up there. And I remember walking along this path and it, all you can see is white and you know this is the edge right here but you don't know where the edge is you don't know if you're going to step in a snow drift and go down or if it's solid and the footing is so so important and these pilgrims as they're walking it's important that their foot doesn't slip well who's going to protect them who's going to watch over them who's going to help them or the one who watches over them, the maker of heaven and earth. And how often does he do it? He never slumbers. He never falls asleep. Never falls asleep. It's not like he punches out at 5 p.m. All right, I'm done for the day. We'll see you tomorrow. He never slumbers. Now, when I think about this, and I think about my brother-in-law sitting there in the back I'm thinking of an old Andy Griffith episode in which they thought somebody was stealing things from the, well, somebody was stealing things from the store. And they thought, they talked about it and they came up with the conclusion that it was happening at night. 
So Barney and Andy decided they were going to stake out the place at night and they were going to sneak into the store and find out. But there was a night watchman. There was a guard, an armed guard named Asa. And they sneak in the, in the store and here's Asa over there, fully asleep. <laughs> That's not our God. He's not going to fall asleep. He's not going to slumber. He's not going to get tired. Oh, I've been watching after them so long. I've been watching. It's so many people to care for. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you in your life, whether it's with your job or your children or relationships or responsibilities, there are times you feel a little bit overwhelmed, like it's a little bit more than you can handle? Anybody raise your hand that you'll admit that? All right. Mine is too, and I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to tell you who's not raising his hand this morning. God. He's never going to slumber. He's never going to get tired. He's never going to be overwhelmed. His protection is constant. Verse 4, indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I'm glad that God doesn't need breaks, doesn't need rest, doesn't stop watching over us. Number three, God's protection. Uh, well, actually, before we go to three, I thought of this extrovert. It reminds me of Psalm 46 1. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. Thirdly, God's protection is personal. Verse five, God's protection is personal. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. Now, some people believe in what what is what they call guardian angels. Some people believe that every believer in Christ has an angel who is watching over you specifically. I don't know about that. I'm not. There's nothing in the Bible that would say That's not true. There's nothing specifically in the Bible that says it is true. Angels are ministering spirits, according to Hebrews 1, and they do help us. And so we know that's part of their task. I don't know if it's a one-for-one assignment or not. But I, I remember a time. I remember many times. I thought about it. How many times can I remember God protecting me? I, I remember a time. I think I've told this here. I was in Ukraine. On a mission trip with Tim Pruitt. Tim and I were there to train pastors. And this was before you could really get internet access everywhere. So to get internet access, we had to go to an internet cafe. You just went to a little storefront type thing where you go in there and they had all these computers and you could log on and get internet access. So it's Tim and I and our translator. But it was weird because we were in a we were in a city of about four hundred thousand people, but we didn't. It wasn't in town where this this internet cafe was. We had to actually go down this little side street, and we go down this street, and it it looked like just a little small house on a dark alley. So it's a little bit sketchy to begin with. But we go in there, and we're we're checking our email, and our translator, Andre, who is Ukrainian. All of a sudden, we're sitting there, and he comes to us, and he says, get up. We're leaving now. And so we got up, and the three of us walked out. And as we walked out through the lobby of this little house, there was a, it was a group of men, about six or eight of them. And we, like, walked right through the middle of them out the door, and we kept walking. He said, don't turn around. Keep walking. 
And we're like, what's going on? And he said, well, and of course he could hear what they were saying in Ukraine. They were talking about me and Tim and they were talking about how they were going to beat us up and they were going to rob us. And he could hear that and he said, let's go. Now, God protected us by giving us a translator who spoke Ukrainian. But even at that, they still could. I mean, the three of us would have been no match against this group of guys. God does protect us. And I do think God uses angels to protect us. But this is even more personal. Look what it says in verse 5. The Lord watches over you. The Lord watches over you. I don't think it's a task that he delegates. I do believe he, he uses angels to do his work. But this personal enough that he can say, the Lord himself watches over you. It is personal. Look at, look at this image, shade at your right hand. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. You know, they lived in an arid climate and the blistering heat would have been there and they would have needed protection and it's like God is their shade. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, keep your lives from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we may say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So God's protection is powerful. God's protection is constant. God's protection is personal. And finally, God's protection is comprehensive. Watch what happens in the last three verses of this psalm. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now, both sun and moon could bring potential harm. I already mentioned to you the blistering heat. And they didn't have sunscreen like we had. So the sun is not going to harm you. But also, in those days, the pagans thought that the sun and the moon were gods that could bring harm to people. So I think the psalmist, recognizing who the real true God is... The protector God is, it says, look, the sun's not going to harm you by day. The moon is not going to harm you by night. It also might be just some figurative language involved here. Again, it's poetic. Think about it, sun and moon. If you think about sun and moon, you're thinking like all the time, whether it's during the day and any dangers that might happen during the day or whether it's at night and there's some dangers that happen at night. God is going to protect you. Verse 7, the Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. I love that. That's that's comprehensive. (laughs) There's not a situation in your life or my life that God is not watching over us. Sometimes it may feel that way. Sometimes we may wonder, where is God? Where is God now? Is he really watching me? Is he really helping me? Is he really protecting me? Now, I've I've tried to tell you this morning what the psalm says. But before we wrap it up, I think it's useful to note what the psalm does not say. The psalm does not say 
that God's people will never have struggles. That God's people will never have disappointments. That God's people will never have trials. That God's people will have no opposition. That God's people won't endure health crisis or relationship struggles. Or harm, attempted harm, or real harm from other people. It doesn't say any of those things. What does it say? It says that God is there. And God is watching over you. Think about Joseph. Joseph was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery. And then even when he was a, a, a slave, he was put, he, he, he attained kind of first in command over the household. But then he was, he was tempted, uh, uh, Potiphar's wife tempted him to have adultery. And, and he said no. And because he, he was a man of integrity, she lied about him and he was thrown into jail. And yet, what does the scripture say over and over in Genesis? The Lord was with Joseph. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These were three Hebrew men who loved God and they were, had integrity and they refused to bow down to king, to the king. They were only going to bow down to the true one God of heaven. They would not bow down. And so what did they get for it? Did they get roses? Did they get extra money? Did they get applause? No, they got thrown into a fiery furnace. And King Nebuchadnezzar looks down in the fiery furnace and he's like, hey, didn't we throw three people down there? And he says, they said, yeah. The advisor said, yeah. And he said, well, I see four. <laughs> and the fourth one is like a son of the gods. Who was that? <laughs> that was the Lord right there with them in that situation. Think about Jesus' disciples when they were in the boat on the water at night and the storm was rising and Jesus was nowhere to be found and they were scared. And they see this figure coming towards them and they were even more scared. And all of a sudden he says, don't be afraid, it's me. And he, and he silences the winds and the waves. He was with them. Think about Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, where we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Think about the Apostle Paul, all the trials and opposition that he had when he was in Corinth. There was a question about, is he going to make it? Is he going to be jailed? Is he going to be imprisoned? Is he going to be able to, to, to do this? In Acts 18, the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said this, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. So we will have opposition. We will have trials. We will have disappointments. We will have struggles. But more importantly, we will have God with us. And I think that's what the psalmist is saying in Psalm 121. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. I love that. It's, it's, it's all of life. It's now. It happens right now, and that's wonderful. So whatever we're going to face, we, that's the thing about life. We don't know what we're going to face this afternoon. None of us had, I just thought about this, it's just a small thing, but none of us had an idea when we drove here this morning there was going to be a tree blocking the entrance to the church, right? We don't know what we're going to face this afternoon. But we know this, God is going to watch over our coming and going now. And it's not just now, it's forever, forevermore. All through this life, 
all through eternity. It's hard not to think of Psalm 23, right? A lot of similarities. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's God's word for us this morning. We were going to look somewhere when we get into trouble. We're going to look somewhere. The best place to look when we need help is up. The best place to look when we need help is up. Now, let me ask this before we start to wrap it up. How does this point forward to Jesus? This is Old Testament. This is thousands of years before he lived. How does it point forward to him? Well, let me give you two passages. One of them is John 17, 11, and 12. In John 17, Jesus is praying. It's his high priestly prayer. He's just, it's in his last days. He's just about to be betrayed and crucified. And he gives this upper room discourse to his disciples. And in John 17, he prays for them and he prays for us. And look what he says in John seventeen eleven, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. This is his disciples. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name. The name you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them. And kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. That's reference to Judas. So Jesus is saying, Father, I protected them now and I'm going now and I'm asking you to protect them. Where does that protection come from? Let me look, let's look at another familiar passage. Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul is detailing all of the amazing benefits for those who have faith in Jesus Christ. And in verse 31, he says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Watch verse 32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I think that's how Psalm 121 points forward to Jesus. God is protecting us how. The greatest thing we need protection from is our sin. 
our lostness, our separation from God. And all of us have it by nature. And yet God said, I am going to not spare my own son. I am going to give my own son Jesus to die. And we can now look at that and say, if God did that, won't he protect us in every other way? So let's start there. Let's start with why he did that. He did it to pay for our sin. And I hope today, if you're here listening or if you're watching our live stream, that you have come to that point of understanding that the cross is not just a religious symbol, but it's, it's, it is a truth that Jesus died. It is the way that God was reaching out to you to save you and forgive you and bring you into his family And today you open your heart to him and say, yes, I need you. And then we look at God and say, he who didn't spare his own son, how will he not give us all things? And Paul continues with that theme in verse 33, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life or neither death nor life, neither angel nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Just a few months ago, actually on April 26, there's a man named Jacob Kinsley who had uh, a, a 10-month-old, 10 or 11-month-old son named Shepard. And they lived in Cincinnati, and they were huge Cincinnati Reds baseball fans. And he said to his wife he wanted to take his son to his first game <laughs> at 11 months. And so she agreed to it, and the three of them go to the baseball game. And she was kind of nervous about it because, like, what if a, what if a ball comes and, and hits him or something? And he said, no, no, I'll, I'll protect him. I'll protect him. So they were sitting 15 rows back, and there was the protective net. But here was Jacob, 26 years old. He had his son in, like, the baby carrier. So he had the son in the baby carrier, and he's watching the baseball game. And she's kind of nervous. The wife is nervous through it. And... After a few innings, here comes a foul ball over the net headed in their direction. Jacob is standing there and the baby's in, in, in the carrier. And with his left hand, he's, got, he's, got a, he's feeding him a bottle. But he thinks, this is my chance to catch a foul ball. And so he hangs on to the bottle. The baby's in the carrier. He reaches up with his right hand and snags the foul ball. <laughs> Social media went crazy over it. One, one person tweeted, bottle didn't even come out. Legend. 
Another one said, highlight of the red season so far. But here's the deal. The dad had the son. And the dad was protecting the son. And the dad said, if any balls come, I'm going to make sure they don't hit him. And I think that's what God is is saying to us through this psalm today. He's our Heavenly Father. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's going to watch over you, both now and forevermore. So today, will you... Will you allow God to stir your heart because of his care for you? Will you go a couple of extra steps and actually praise him out loud for that? Will you share with others? Will you share with other brothers and sisters this week? Maybe your family, maybe people in your community group. Maybe people in your accountability group or discipleship group or whoever. Will you just share with them, hey, this is the way God watches over us. I think those things would all be appropriate. Because the best place to look when we need help is, say the last word with me. Thanks again for joining us today from Harvest Community Church. This podcast is also available on our website, harvestcharlotte.com. Please go there if you want to send a question or comment, learn more about our ministries, or find out how you can donate to support the podcast.